Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. You're listening to the DC Public Library, broadcasting live from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, DC. I am your host, Olubumi Bakari. This is our All Things Local series where we highlight the local history, culture, community, and persons who have made an impact and are making an impact on Washington, D.C. My guest today is Sandra Madavu Fry. Uh, Mrs. Fry heads the Office of the People's Council. OPC is an independent agency of the District of Columbia government. Uh, This agency advocates for consumers of natural gas, electric, and telephone services. This office also represents the interests of district utility taxpayers, I mean, sorry, ratepayers before the D.C. Public Service Commission, Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, Federal Communications Commission, and other utility regulatory bodies, and the courts. That's a lot. (laughs) Uh, Mrs. Fry was first appointed as People's Counsel in 2011 by Mayor Vincent Gray and was reappointed in 2015 by the current mayor, uh, Mariel Bowser. Mrs. Fry, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to uh, be here with you today. Um, OPC is very much a part of the local community And so this is an opportunity to share our experience uh, with you and your listeners. Okay, thank you. And so before we jump into OPC and and, uh, what that agency is, uh, can I want to talk a little bit about your background? Okay. okay? So um, in this particular uh, All Things Local episode, we like to talk to um, longtime residents or individuals who have been in uh, Washington, D.C. for years or for a while or who are making an impact. So um, I know that you're not originally from (laughs) Washington, D.C., but you've been here longer than most residents um, of the city have been. So um, tell me a little bit about your background and where you are from. Okay, sure. I am originally from New York City. I grew up in the South Bronx, and I came to Washington to attend Howard University. And I was in the School of, Commis- School of Communications mm-hmm. when uh, Tony Brown was the director. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, it was a very good experience there. Uh, we had you know, a number of really renowned uh, professors who taught and kind of exposed us to the black experience in terms of journalism and where journalism should go and how important it was to message correctly and to make certain that voices that may not be heard were heard as a responsibility of black journalists. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very excited in that program. However, mm-hmm. I, when I graduated, I chose to go to law school. Mm-hmm. And that was because it was an ongoing interest that I'd had even as a young person mm-hmm. prior to going to college. Mm-hmm. And I didn't choose just any school, Mm -hmm. any law school. I chose Antioch School of Law 
because of its public interest bent and orientation. And as you may know, uh, Antioch School of Law was one of the first law schools that focused on a clinical experience, which allowed students to the opportunity to actually go to court to represent consumers while they were getting educated in the law. Mm -hmm. uh, now it's very common, but, oh, but uh, Antioch really set the stage. Mm -hmm. And I, if anything, if there was any part of me that was unique, um, at the time I had two children. Mm -hmm. uh, one was my son, who when I entered was about two and a half, mm -hmm. and my daughter, who was six or seven months old. Mm -hmm. And I like to tell the story that literally on the day of admission, mm -hmm. I had my daughter, her name is Nika, in a baby strap on her front, mm -hmm. and my son, I was holding his hand, mm -hmm. and the books, mm -hmm. my backpack full of law books, mm -hmm. and they, they were with me throughout law school, wow. and it was the three of us, you know, really trying to move forward and do what I needed to do to get through, and at the same time being a supportive mother to these young toddler children. That's that's an awesome story. I never, never knew that. <laughs> yes. um, so, um, Antioch School of Law is now the David A. Clark School of Law, which yes, is a part is. of the University of the District of Columbia. Yes, absolutely. My alma mater. So Go great. Hey, yes, UDC. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you mentioned that you're from the Bronx. Mm -hmm. Quite a few of my guests uh, are from New York. It's interesting. And they all come to Howard mm -hmm. um, University. So that was your uh, main draw to come yes. to the city? Yes, it was. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously Howard was the one of the premier HBC schools. And um, I was attracted to it because of the curriculum and, again, because of their school of communications, mm -hmm. as well just at being in Washington at the time. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what was so uh, special about that? About, about Washington? Yeah, being about in Washington, Washington. D.C. Well, Washington uh, during that time, and we won't say how long <laughs> ago that was, but it was in the 70s. Mm -hmm. um, it really long, was. Long, 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 long. No, <laughs> before you were you born. Mean, right? Way before I was born. <laughs> it was really a fulcrum <laughs> of, you know, black activism, mm -hmm. um, cultural natural nationalism. Mm -hmm. So it really all came together in terms of the things that I was personally interested mm -hmm. in, as well as, you know, the public interest, making certain to, um, you know, support the community in, in, in terms of what their needs were. Mm -hmm. And I th coming from the South Bronx, where that was also an area that was primarily, that was predominated by um, a diverse community, both Latina and Latino and African Americans, um, with different varying levels of social advantage, and um, that same sort of a commitment to cultural experiences. So mm -hmm. it was a real good marriage at mm -hmm. the time mm -hmm. to to come to DC to come to DC and experience the Washingtonian culture mm -hmm. and. I decided that I liked it, and mm -hmm. I stayed, and as you know, I married and raised my children, who mm -hmm. are native Washingtonians, mm -hmm. which they always remind me mm -hmm. that they are. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, and so let's, let's fast forward a bit. Uh, when you finished law school, what, what was your intent? Like, what was your focus, you know, after law school? I wanted to, you know, continue in that public interest 
spent. I wanted to make certain that whatever I did, I would be supporting you know, community interests. I had no interest in going into corporate law or even private practice per se. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something that had a broader and wider impact on my community and the community, the Washingtonian community at large. I was very fortunate in that because of the clinical practice that Antioch had, I interned with a law firm that actually had a contract with an agency called the Office of the People's Council. Mm -hmm. And at the time, of course, I had not heard anything about the Office of People's Council mm -hmm. or utility regulation that mm -hmm. was you know, totally new and foreign to me. Mm -hmm. But I had the opportunity to intern. And I then became aware of OPC and what its mission was and what its vision was and how it was created. Mm -hmm. And when I, after I completed my internship, uh, Brian Letterer, who was the People's Council at the time, uh, hired me. Mm -hmm. And he was succeeded by Frederick Dorsey, who became People's Council, mm -hmm. and he actually hired me as an attorney. Mm -hmm. And I sort of basically uh, moved up the ranks. Mm -hmm. I, you know, worked hard and diligently, and I was able to to attain new 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 um, positions mm -hmm. in the office. And I've been there now for thirty plus years. Wow. Okay. And most people say, "Well, how could you possibly stay so long?" And I know um, the younger people. That's mm -hmm. not the focus. You know, most. Younger people move from career to career, you know, different steps in either, either the trajectory is, you know, one career, but they certainly have different positions mm -hmm. and different places where they work. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was really interesting in the sense that each new position, each time I moved up, it felt as if it was a totally different career mm -hmm. and different challenges and different opportunities. And so at each level, you know, I'd say, oh, this is, the, this is it. I'm going to move on to something else. Mm -hmm. And then I would have, be presented with an opportunity to do something different. Mm -hmm. And that would be very satisfying. Mm -hmm. And so 30 years later, 30-plus mm -hmm. years later, mm -hmm. I am the People's Council, okay. which I never thought I would be or never really, um, that wasn't necessarily how I saw it going. Mm -hmm. But it was because I was committed to the mission of the office. Mm -hmm. When presented with the opportunity, I certainly took it. Your story sounds like an um, after-school special. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the kids on your back, and then you move yes. up the ranks. <laughs> they were literally on my back, uh, you know. So basically, snugly. You know, <laughs> after, so that you know. Going straight from um, UDC, Antioch School of Law, you went directly to the office of OPT. Uh, yes. Well, I worked as an intern for a firm for mm -hmm. Coons McKinney and Johnson mm -hmm. um, at the time directly by for um, Mr. Lightfoot. Mm -hmm. And once his contract with the agency ended, I was actually hired by uh, the People's Council. So mm -hmm. then I went directly to the People's Council. Okay. And, and so now let's talk about the People's Council. Um, this is an agency, I myself, I, probably, I had to do my research, of course, but um, I don't know much about um, other than, you know, what I've read. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of our listeners, they may not know 
uh, much about this agency. So can you um, first talk about the history of the agency and, and, and what it does and how it uh, serves the residents of this city? I, I certainly can. Um, the history of the agency is very, very interesting. It came about in, well, this iteration of the agency came about in 1974, mm -hmm. when during the energy crisis and when oil prices and gas prices were escalating, as well as utility rates, you know, your mm -hmm. electricity, your PEPCO rate, your gas, your Washington gas rate, as well as telecommunications rate, which was at the time CNP. Mm -hmm. I remember that. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't. No, I don't. I don't remember that. I remember it well. <laughs> and what happened was there was a public outcry for representation because people felt that they were they didn't have a voice and didn't not only did they not have a voice, but they weren't educated or even familiar with how the process worked. Mm -hmm. And so the Senate and Congress decided that they would create an agency whose sole charge was to advocate for consumers in proceedings before the Public Service Commission. And the Public Service Commission is the regulatory body mm -hmm. or the administrative agency mm -hmm. that actually has authority over the utilities. Mm -hmm. um, utilities are monopolies for the most part, and in order to avoid that kind of monopoly or an abuse of monopoly power, the public service commissions across the country were created to ensure that the rates that are given or submitted by these utilities are just reasonable, affordable, and reliable. Mm -hmm. And they set the rates. So a utility will come in and say, we want $60 million. Mm -hmm. And the public service commission has to determine whether or not they should get that $60 million. Mm -hmm. Where my agency comes in is that we advocate on behalf of consumers. We give the consumers the legal voice mm -hmm. uh, before the Public Service Commission. Mm -hmm. And invariably we say, no, I don't think they should get $60 million. They mm -hmm. should get five. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's where the conflict is. Mm -hmm. And we both, both parties, present evidence, the advocate OPC, and the utility present evidence before the commission, mm -hmm. and the commission then has to determine how much they will give them based on the evidence that's presented. Mm -hmm. Now, I guess another little interesting twist to that is why I said that the most recent iteration of OPC started in 1975. Actually, in 1934, at the time when the commissions were created by mm -hmm. statute, uh, there was an Office of People's Council, mm -hmm. and that continued through the 1950s. Mm -hmm. And then they decided it was a determination, a legislative determination, that it wasn't needed, that it didn't need to be in an independent agency, that the Public Service Commission could do both. And what happened in 75 was Congress said, well, you know, you can't adjudicate, you know, you can't determine and also advocate against, mm -hmm. so that they wanted an independent agency mm -hmm. that would be able to argue in support of and advocate for consumers. Mm -hmm. Wow, <laughs> that's a lot. 
Okay, and so <laughs> fast forward now. Uh, so for residents of this of the city, um, uh, say I have an issue, you know, um, with a bill or something. Uh, your your agency is the agency that I would reach out to to. Um, help me with that or yes if I had it. so yes. i can just call email you and say hey yes you can email us at uh, opc-dc.gov mm-hmm. or you can call us at 202-727-3071 and you ask for a consumer a consumer representative or you tell the receptionist that you're having a problem with a particular utility my bill is too high i'm threatened with disconnection I was disconnected, mm-hmm. you know, there are wires hanging, mm-hmm. my service goes off, my electric service goes off and on at will. Mm-hmm. And we will assign a representative to advocate for you to, to the extent that there is a dispute, mm-hmm. a bill dispute, we will contact the utility, discuss the issue, get, you know, information from the consumer as well as from the utility mm-hmm. and try to negotiate a resolution to the dispute. Mm-hmm. If we can't resolve the dispute, we can then have, we will accompany the consumer to an informal hearing, which is a matter of right. Each, each consumer has the right to an informal hearing. Mm-hmm. If we can't resolve it there, mm-hmm. then we can actually represent them in a legal capacity in a, an administrative hearing mm-hmm. uh, before a commission, a commission hearing officer. Mm-hmm. And we resolve, we do, we have probably, I think our last count was approximately 1,200 um, consumer complaints, somewhere mm-hmm. between 12 and 1,500. It varies. Mm-hmm. And so that means... Mm-hmm. It's 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 a good I amount. Mean, my they're they're busy. Mm-hmm. They're busy, and um, I mean in proportion to the residents. Well, uh, it's not population. a lot. Yeah, well, it's not a lot in proportion to the. So um, I mean, the, the, they're doing a good job, I guess. Well, no, what who's doing a good job? I think it, it's more. I think it's more. You know what you mentioned at the opening is that a lot of people don't know about us. Mm. And so they don't know, they still don't know... That they have a voice. That they have a voice, mm-hmm. or that my agency exists and can actually represent them not only in the big major rate cases, but also on an individual basis, which is one of the reasons why you know opportunities like this mm-hmm. are so helpful to get the word out so mm-hmm. that people know that we're there and that we can help. I was going to say that our success rate for consumer complaints is probably around 95%, if mm-hmm. not higher. So if you call us, we're usually able to do something mm-hmm. to help. Mm-hmm. So I have um, I had a, a, a personal case. I wish <laughs> I had known about this agency, and I don't know if this would have um, helped. But uh, there was an issue where um, my grandmother's house, my grandmother hadn't lived in the house for like 30 years, someone uh, somehow she incurred a, a water bill and my grandmother um had to pay that bill um well te- i think i took care of it but in any case is that something i i know this happens a lot you know um to folks but is that something that i could have brought to your agency and you could have assisted in that well that's an interesting question when did it happen well this is 
Well, the answer is no. Years ago. The answer is no. No, We could not have helped you then. However, recently we just got authority to represent D.C. water consumers, and that would have absolutely been the type of case Mm -hmm. that we would have, uh, that we could represent that consumer about. Mm -hmm. Um, We, the law was passed in December of 2018, Mm -hmm. giving us the authority to represent consumers, and we got going. It was finally approved and enacted and approved by Congress in April, Mm -hmm. and we hired staff subsequently Maybe in, by mid-May, we had staff on board, and we've been handling complaints uh, since then. Mm-hmm. And we've been, you know, we've had a lot of interesting complaints. You know, high bills are generally the the most, you know, the most reoccurring, as well as disconnections. And um, there's also a situ- situations with liens mm-hmm. that are placed on. Consumers' mm-hmm. houses. Is that what happened? I think. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they they did. Were there tenants living in the no. house? It was unoccupied. Yeah, it was unoccupied, and that and that was the crazy part. Like she wasn't living there, so how did she get a bill? Mm-hmm. But she still had to pay for it either right. way because they didn't know. Um, right. But in any case, um, so also so. Uh, couple of cases um, that I saw on your website. Okay, so there was one where your agency um, represented, I guess there were there was a third party uh, supplier supplier mm-hmm. who they did something to low income uh, mm-hmm. uh, residents. Tell uh, what is that exactly? Okay. Well, the, just by way of backdrop, one of the important that I have, there are um, four divisions in the agency, mm-hmm. uh, the operations division, litigation division, consumer services, well, consumer services, litigation, and water. So that's five, mm-hmm. give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens is that the, particularly with respect to the CSD with the uh, consumer services divisions, mm-hmm. one of their roles is to go out into the community and to talk to consumers about the issues. This is, you know, our education component. Mm -hmm. And one of the benefits of doing that is that we hear from consumers. Mm -hmm. Not only do we teach and educate and tell them, oh, Pepco has just filed a rate case, or Mm -hmm. Washington Gas is filing a rate case. Um, We also listen to them, and they bring issues to us Mm -hmm. and when they bring them you know we have an opportunity to take action and that's what happened with the third party suppliers Mm -hmm. or TPS Mm -hmm. Um, we were going out into the community and people would say yes Miss Fry or yes you know Miss Miss Sistrunk we had um, people come to us and they said they were Pepco and we but but they could get us a cheaper rate Mm -hmm. than we were currently paying and we, you know, we signed on, and my rate was, it went down the first month, but then it skyrocketed to mm-hmm. something, you know, triple or three times the amount of the initial rate, and two or three times the amount that Pepco would have charged. Mm-hmm. And what we found was that, one, cause they, these companies, these were independent companies, were preying on seniors and low-income consumers, particularly those that were home during the day, Mm -hmm. and having them sign these releases Mm -hmm. that allowed them to provide energy service. They would actually provide the electricity 
or the gas. Mm -hmm. No, the companies would still do the connection. Mm -hmm. So they had to go through Pepco or Washington Gas Mm -hmm. to be connected. Mm -hmm. But they would actually pay the cost of, they would actually supply the energy, the electricity, or the gas. Mm -hmm. And that is the largest bulk of your bill. Mm -hmm. 70% of the bills that consumers pay are related to the cost of electricity or the mm-hmm. cost of gas. Oh, no, no. So when that goes up, you know, they really can feel, you know, the pain. Mm-hmm. And so what we do what we did was we filed a petition before the Public Service Commission. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've been to a lot of hearings in 30 plus years. Mm-hmm. But that hear- hearing was heartbreaking mm-hmm. because so many consumers came in and told these horrific stories mm-hmm. of how they had been, you know, abused by these uh, third-party suppliers. Mm-hmm. You know, one woman talked about she got a bill, and it was signed by her father, mm-hmm. who had died mm-hmm. like six months before. Mm-hmm. You know, another woman fainted while she was telling her story. Mm-hmm. It was really, you know, older elderly people came in and said, "Oh, they told me my bill was going to go down, but it didn't, and now I can't buy food. They're going to mm-hmm. disconnect me." So that's what happened. And what we were able to do with that in that particular instance was to reach a settlement with the third-party supplier in question. Mm-hmm. And we, what they did was to credit all of the consumers that had been abused mm-hmm. by their company. Mm-hmm. And in addition, they contributed $100,000 to a fund, which mm-hmm. we gave to the Greater Washington Urban League. Mm-hmm. And they used that money to... Um, assist consumers that were having problems with their bills. So it was a win-win situation Mm -hmm. for us, but it's still recurring. You know, we have to constantly monitor it because new actors come in. You know, Mm -hmm. we get rid of one bad actor, but then a new actor comes in and tries to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. That's sad. That's a sad story. Um, And so um, another case that I read about um, was the merger between... um, Pepco and Exelon. <laughs> yes. So, um, so, and this happened. Um, it, it's the process started in 2014, and it finally um, went through in 2016. Now, um, and, and uh, you know, uh, folks didn't like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, this coming together, this merger. Mm-hmm. So, um, t- talk about that. What What does that mean? And you know, I'm a I'm a resident of the city, so. What what did that merger do for me or do to me? Okay. I think it's a combination. <clears throat> the merger case, um, Exelon, Pepco uh, acquisition, Exelon acquired Pepco. Okay. It was a three-year process that I confess was probably one of the most difficult uh, times that I really had to deal with to balance the interests and balance the benefits against the potential harms. Mm -hmm. And what resulted was that we went in and we disapproved and opposed the settlement that was presented by, or the application that was presented by Pepco and Exelon, Mm -hmm. because it really offered no tangible benefits at all. It was an insult. Mm-hmm. And we were able to successfully defeat that application. 
which was shocking to us. Mm-hmm. What happened was the, the company came back, Exelon came back, mm-hmm. and really met and exceeded what we had originally proposed. Mm-hmm. And those were tangible benefits to consumers. Mm-hmm. And so we signed the initial revised settlement agreement. Mm-hmm and then presented it to the commission. The commission changed it, and we then opposed the, re- the changed position mm-hmm. of, the, um, util- of the commission. However, they approved it nonetheless, mm-hmm. and we then appealed it before the Court of Appeals. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it raised, you know, those are the facts, mm-hmm. but it raised a lot of issues, mm-hmm. um, related issues, you know, including, you know, community participation. That was probably the widest level of community participation in recent case history. Mm -hmm. And you had divided um, interest, not so much interest, but divided positions. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, in retrospect, no one was wrong. The one good thing about the process is everyone had the interest of DC ratepayers in at heart. And the distinction was the approach and what was a priority for you know various parties. Mm-hmm. And I cannot say, you know, truthfully that any one party's position was wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that they brought benefits to the table mm-hmm. and what you know, what were the benefits? Well, we had different things. In terms of the settlement proceedings in settlement, we were able to get a lot of tangible benefits that were obviously not offered initially. Um, for example, for example, we were able to get a the Workforce Academy, mm-hmm. which is an academy which cha- which trains um, DC residents for positions at, at the utilities. Really? That was important because mm-hmm. we had been trying, my office had been trying to do that for years, but it went to, you know, nobody listened. You know, the utilities weren't interested. But because they wanted to have this um, settlement approved, mm-hmm. they went forward with that. And those are, you know, good jobs, high-paying jobs. Mm-hmm. And they came up when we would talk, you know, with all kinds of reasons why that was not doable or not a viable option. You know, they were un- the residents were unreliable. They had drug issues. They had, you know, records. Mm-hmm. All the things that would keep them from um, participating. Mm-hmm. But they were a- through the settlement, we were able to overcome that. And the mayor's office, you know, worked to make certain that it happened, that it wasn't just on paper. Mm-hmm. And there is now a viable workforce academy that's been supported by Washington Gas, Pepco, and I don't know, if, I don't think Verizon is a part of it, but possibly. So that was like one thing. We also um, got refunds for consumers. Each consumer got a, how much was it? $75 um, one-time payment, mm-hmm. as well as we created a, um, a basis for to ensure that the rates were st- residential rates were stabilized and wouldn't increase, just not the rates, but the bills. Mm-hmm. So they, Exelon, contributed a certain amount of money 
that would be used to offset any increase in rates. Mm -hmm. And so residential rates have not residential bills. And I, I keep, you know, it's important to distinguish that because the rate behind it goes up, mm -hmm. but the bill itself is not changed. Right. And that's been in effect for the last five years. Mm -hmm. So um, that was one thing. We also got several environmental um, issues addressed, uh, like the creation of solar uh, capacity at Blue Plains. Mm -hmm. um, we, it was the, um, one of the things that, that happened that the commission did was to create a MEDSYS docket for modernizing the, the um, infrastructure. I know that's gobbledygook, but <laughs> what it means is, you know, the country, the nation, the world is moving away from coal and fossil fuels, and we are encouraging renewables such as solar and wind power. Um, the commission has a docket that specifically addresses that and it's consistent with the D.C. Council and the mayor's office's district policies to um, make dis the district, by 2032, um, using all renewables and carbon-free by 2050. And those are you know, very aggressive goals. Mm -hmm. But they sort of came out of just the environment at the time. Um, I, there were other... And I didn't bring my list, but, um, you know, so there were other tangible benefits that we were able to achieve as a result of the um, merger. And we tried to incorporate protections against some of the concerns that people had raised that were legitimate concerns, you know, whether or not Exelon, which is a major company in the country, would, you know, exert their power over D.C., and DC would lose its local flavor. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's when we put in safeguards for the agreement, for the settlement. But that's one of those areas that we really are looking at mm -hmm. carefully. And it does cause me some concern, you know, that, okay, so what are we doing? We know we have the safeguards, mm -hmm. but how effective are they? And, you know, will they be effective over the real long term? Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully because of the legislative and mayoral directives, uh, some of that will be addressed because once we move away from fossil fuels and, um, you know, we will, by definition, we will have to have a new schematic. You know, all of those changes will be incorporated and require new policies so that I am hopeful that we will be able to um, keep the local, the locality issues, uh, you know, in front of us. But it was it was difficult, and you know, a lot of people were ultimately, a lot of our stakeholders and friends were ultimately disappointed with the decision, my decision. Um, but you know, I did what I thought was appropriate under the circumstances, and I think that consumers. I know that consumers have benef benefited um, from many of the provisions that we were able to uh, confect or achieve. So, after school special. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you want to see the scars? <laughs> <laughs> we are running low on time. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I feel like I went to uh, I went to law school. Uh, <laughs> I took some science courses, uh, economics, a, a whole all of that goes into uh, <laughs> utility regulation and the and the uh, gamut. <laughs> So, I, I, I do have a story, a mm -hmm. real quick one. Okay. Um, years ago, when I first started, I went to California to visit a friend who mm -hmm. was a social worker, and she was having a black adoption fair, and her colleagues all sat around a table, including myself, and she said, oh, well, everyone tell what you do, and they all said, you know, some were doctors, some were lawyers, some were, you know, social workers, and when it got to me, I said, oh, I'm a consumer advocate, utility, you know, protector, and one woman said, Hmm. I guess somebody has to do it. <laughs> so, you know, I was crestfallen. You know, like, huh? but that I will say that that was before you know rolling blackouts. Mm -hmm. That was before blue sky blackouts. Mm -hmm. That was before you know massive disconnections. Mm -hmm. Before solar as an option. Mm -hmm. Before. Um, divestiture, which we didn't even get into. Mm -hmm. But you know when they separated the um, distribution from generation. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about that gave rise to third-party suppliers. Mm -hmm. So now when you say that, people respond. They know what you're talking about. Like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, you know, how do I get solar on my roof? Mm -hmm. You know, how do I, can I use wind? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, def it's definitely a different atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Again, like <laughs> some deep stuff. Like <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it is interesting. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm learning as I'm, mm -hmm. I'm listening to you. So it, it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's I, I good. just, I just learned. I had a class. Oh and, well, and, that's very good. That's what we strive to do, and we try to keep your eyes from glazing over. Oh. <laughs> I mean, well, that won't happen. I, I, I'm curious about a, a number of things. Okay. So now here comes the fun part. Okay. <laughs> so um, we've been having fun all along, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, we've been. <laughs> I'm so. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> this, yeah, this we were having tons of fun. Right? No, I was sitting here learning. I'm trying to. I was trying to learn. You know, as well, you talk. I, I, okay, you're breaking this stuff down. And well, I'm that's like, what I. You know, supporting that it's in lay terms, so mm -hmm. people understand. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so, go ahead. I'm ready for fun. Okay, <laughs> okay. So fast five. I ask my guests five questions. You give me the first thing that that pops into your head. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing dealing with utilities or energy. Um, okay. okay, but maybe your favorite. You know, uh, well, here's the question. The first question: uh, What's the latest book that you read? Let me answer that. Something about uh, energy. Mr. Bean uh, delivers the energy truck or something. I don't know. What? <laughs> you think I have a chance to read a book? <laughs> what if, you mean what the if, People's Council does not read books? No, I'm just kidding. I read utility-related books. See, I knew, that's why I said I, I knew it. I, no, I've actually, oh, I know what I've read recently. What is um, it? I'm a big fan of Octavia Butler, yeah. the science fiction mm -hmm. writer, mm -hmm. and I'm reading one of her pieces now. I've read many of her, um, mm -hmm. her books, and... Um, don't ask me what the title is, but mm. I am fascinated with, <laughs> I think she was a fantastic writer. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I enjoy reading her when I get an opportunity to read. Stop by the DC Public Library. <laughs> Pick up. Oh, a copy. that's right. That's what your question. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I read every day. I'm always at the library. Did you do the summer reading challenge? I did. <laughs> um, do you like mumbo sauce? Yes. <laughs> what is mumbo sauce? What is it? You say what yes. Is? What do you mean, what is it? What it's is sauce it? that you put over chicken, wings. Oh, okay. I'm, I I'm know what mumbo sauce you know, is. You know. <laughs> Just say, I know. Yes. Wings and wings, wings and things, mumbo oh, sauce. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> On your french fries, too. Mm, I would. Okay. I was just checking. Uh, <laughs> no, I liked mumbo sauce. I haven't had it in a while, but mm-hmm. only because um, I just, for a while, you, well, I didn't, I haven't had it in a while. <laughs> you used okay. to be able to buy it, you know, when you got your chicken. Mm-hmm. You just haven't been to the carryout in a while. Right, right, <laughs> right, 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 okay. right, right. It's okay. You fancy now. Okay. Um, uh, what is the best advice you were given in law school? That the law is gray and that lawyers, you know, particularly from the public interest perspective, are there to empower people, to represent people, to protect people. Um, and that's your role and that's your goal. You know, mm-hmm. it's mission-driven. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that most lawyers get that advice in law school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is that paper chase, you mm-hmm. know, beating your, your fellow lawyer, coming out on top. That's not the orientation that I had, nor the advice that I was given, you know. And it was also, you know, be true to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, make certain that what you're doing is consistent with your values, mm-hmm. um, consistent with, you know, who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every day, everyone, you have to look yourself in the mirror. Mm-hmm and be comfortable with that person, that the reflection that you see. Mm-hmm. That's deep. That's deep. <laughs> I don't know how deep <laughs> All it's that true. in law school. Uh, okay. Um, in, law, in law school and in life, you know? Okay. This, this rolls into my next question. Okay. Um, what makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Boomy. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I was actually going to say something like that. What's really, I mean, inspired, it's two, you know, two-pronged. You know, I'm inspired or feel really good about myself when I can do something, when I can see a tangible benefit that comes from myself or an action by myself, or more importantly and more generally the case, you know, what my agency is doing and mm-hmm. what the people that work with me mm-hmm. are doing. Um, I had sort of a conversation today with uh, someone, a you know analyst, and one of the things that they pointed out was that, without exception, my staff, mm-hmm. they are mission driven, mm-hmm. you know, and that they believe in what we do, mm-hmm. and they want to do the best that they possibly can. And that's something that I always say and I echo, but you know, I don't know how far it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also inspired, and this is honest, you know, with young people, what you guys are doing, even though I sort of consider the millennial, the M word, Mm -hmm. but it's important to see, you know, particularly those people, those young people, the young people that are doing important things and important work and are exploring themselves and their minds and opening their minds to 
what's new, you know. 30 years, I'm, you know, on the other side of the other. But, you know, the young people, you know, you're going to have to carry the mission. You're going to have to determine what this world is going to look like. You know, mm -hmm. issues such as climate control, climate impact are going to be important because they will determine not only how you live, but how your children and your grandchildren, and my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren live. I may not be here, you know, to feel that full impact. So it's important for you guys to be inspired and for you guys to take up the banner and move forward. Mm -hmm. So now I can ask you, I know this is your interview, but what inspires you oh as, a, as a young person, you know, looking into the future? Where do you see your generation going? And you don't have to answer it in that way, because I know you're the interviewer. Where do I see my generation going to hell? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but there are, there's so many people your age mm -hmm. that are doing really fantastic things. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I just marvel that they are able to do it. And it's really kind of different than when we, than when I was young, because you had a broader movement. Everybody was into African-Americanism and black power and mm -hmm. all of those things. So it wasn't, you didn't stand alone. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's there now, mm -hmm. but not as broad mm -hmm. so that the people that are actually functioning in that capacity mm -hmm. really are to be admired mm -hmm. and you know that's what I think of you know, mm -hmm. when I when I look at you your generation mm -hmm. and people I mean seriously you know you said oh booby but people like you you know you're doing for those your listeners who don't know mm -hmm. you we grew up you grew up um, as a friend of my daughter and mm -hmm. when we lived in Fort Lincoln mm -hmm. And I watched you grow. You were a baby when I met you. And now you're doing all sorts of fantastic things. You know, so that's one of the reasons why I you know, agreed to come on your program. It was just fantastic that you're doing that. And I also know that you're doing other things that are just as interesting and fascinating. And you're at the library. So, you know, yeah, Boombi, you inspire me. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Back to you. Okay. This is, this is about you. Okay. Um, so this is, and this is the, the last question. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? And kind of talked about it a little bit, but. Mm -hmm. I want my legacy to be that I was true to the mission of the Office of the People's Council. Mm -hmm. And that means that I represented all consumers um, equally and fairly. And that, in fact, all consumers, no matter what ward you lived in, one through eight, mm -hmm. had a voice or felt that they had a voice and that my agent, the agency under my leadership made a meaningful difference. I'm not going to please everyone all the time, mm -hmm. but it's important to me, critically important to me, that I have you know, the respect of consumers in all eight divisions. And their needs are different. You know, mm -hmm. a ward eight a consumer is very different from a Ward 3 consumer. And that doesn't belittle or diminish the value or the importance of all of them, but just recognizing that they are different and they have different needs, and how do I meet their needs mm -hmm. and balance it out? You know, sometimes you have to make decisions. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, you know, these are inherent conflicts, mm -hmm. and I have to decide that's my charge, and that's a big 
and um, difficult, stressful um, situation frequently, mm -hmm. just making the decision. Mm -hmm. So my legacy would be that people will believe that I did the very best that I can, could and that I always had the consumer interest at heart and in mind, mm -hmm. and I didn't do anything that would defeat the mission of the Office of the People's Council. That's a perfect answer. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's true. You know, it really, really you is true. I, like you know, special. I have many, many, many uh, sleepless nights, mm -hmm. and you know, trying to make certain that I'm doing the right thing. So, well, thank you. Thank well, you. Thank you. Uh, uh, thank you for joining me um, again. Uh, before we close out, just um, real quick, um, any upcoming events that you want to plug and, you know, let folks know about? Uh, we and, are, and tell us the, the website, and again, the website and the number that they can call if they have any issues. Uh, we're having a community summit um, on, on um, 25th. the 25th of September. And this is actually an annual event that we have. However, we're making it a larger event. Usually we have it in the office and it brings together various social service agencies and we can exchange information on, you know, what we do and how we can work together because a lot of the, you know, a lot of the needs of some of our most vulnerable consumers is um, holistic and they need all kinds of assistance, not only just their utility bills, but, you know, how to mesh it together. Mm -hmm. So we have this on an annual basis. This year we're doing it at the Sumner School, and it's much larger because we want to expand it, and we are inviting the public to attend as well. You can contact us again at 727-3071 to get the specifics and the location, you know, the address of the location. Okay. Well, thank you again. Um, this has been an episode of DCPL's All Things Local on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Please visit dclibrary.org to learn more about the library's services and programs. Talk to us online at DCPL on Twitter and at DC Public Library on Instagram. Listen and download this show wherever you listen to your podcast by searching for Full Service Radio. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on Mixcloud.com slash Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at fullserviceRDO on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>